Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Another, well, roughly hour of uh, hopefully, <laughs> you decide, useful information that you can apply to your training, your hunting, your shooting, and just life in general. Well, such as it is. Hope it's going well for you. I've put together a list of kind of what I'll call hunter hacks that might help you in the field and then in your training career that uh, could save you a little bit here, a little bit there in terms of aggravation and time. That's the goal today. All sorts of other things, of course. Uh, We're gonna talk about your peak experiences last season, share some photos. Our public access tip is all about uh, how to get the most out of those folks who hold the keys to the kingdom. The bureaucrats who uh, can make or break your hunting trip on public ground. So all of that coming up uh, and maybe a little bit here and there on some other subjects as well. But anyhow, that's the gist of it. After this, uh, my, uh, well, heck, my whole week, not just a weekend, was, well, kind of quiet. Flick is on the injured reserve list. Uh, You know, I talked big and long over the season about taking good care of his feet, particularly pad care, and how I've been keeping those pads supple with uh, all sorts of concoctions from Happy Jack's pad coat to, you know, heel crack cream, which is what I used, you know, when he's not hunting. All those things worked so well, of course, after a few days home and a little vacation, uh, he gouged a big chunk out of one of his toe pads. And uh, so we've been doctoring that on a daily basis. Hey, here's a tip for you. Here's another hack for you just to get warmed up. You know, you need to keep wounds clean. And I don't know about you. Well, feet are easier than some other things in that you can, uh, you can put the dog in the bathtub and soak his feet and then rinse them off. But he's not one for that, and he has he takes a lot of coaxing to get uh, to get into the tub, and and if it's not a foot problem, then it might become even more problematic. So, I figured out a way to use one of those little you know spray bottles, uh, the kind that you can direct the spray, you know, adjust the spray to more of a stream than a spray. Put a little uh, antibacterial hand soap in there and then shake it up and then spray it on there and and wash it out just like you would with a syringe on another wound. Pick that up from uh, an emergency room nurse. That's pretty much how they do it. Uh, They use a little gizmo that will also suck the water up so they're not making a mess on the floor. But the spray bottle, antibacterial soap, or something like betadine or something like that would be even better. But uh, you might have to get permission to use that if you're in the house. Anyway, worth a look. Uh, he's back uh, at about 50%. We're taking it real careful because foot problems can only get worse. So anyway, that's how it's gone around here. How about you? Uh, on Monday uh, last, I asked uh, a question that, that I, I want to ask more often because this time of year we're looking back on this stuff. Uh, memories, fellowship, camaraderie high on the list of reasons why we hunt uh, and uh, whether it's the quiet times after a hunt or the excitement of a covey flush and two or three hunters uh, they're all good so I asked you to show me some pictures and share some of your 
uh, fellowship and uh, camaraderie memories from the last season. Mine was me, uh, kind of a selfie with me and my buddy Dave. We're in one of our favorite spots down there in the Pueblo Mountains. No latitude, no longitude, but down in the Pueblos. A uh, place we love to go. Um, the nickname for it is Chucker Mountain. Beautiful creek going through it, year-round creek, which is amazing in that country, high desert country, uh, with some fall colors in the background and the trail that goes all the way up to the top and that gold mine that's been abandoned for God knows how many years. But your photos are just as good. Stan Elmore shares a photo of he and his buddy resting and discussing the Mearns hunt. It looks like it might as well come out of a Western wear catalog. It's that good. Oh, shaded, um, but the dog relaxing in the shade with them both. And um, one of those places I got to get to real soon. Linda Syke, great day out with two puppies from her own dogs. Again, high desert, uh, probably a chucker hunt. It looks good, beautiful, sunny blue skies and that sear pastel smell in the air from all the sagebrush and some beautiful clumpy ring rim rocks in the distance mike harris i want to buy that photo and put it on my wall it's a bow hunt but it's one of those long bows good for you dog sitting at his side and an incredible probably sunset just starting we call it angel song uh, rays coming out of the sun and the clouds in the background it, i'm gonna say that's alaska mike check me on that elijah barber if that photo doesn't say me and my dog are best friends i don't know what does again smiling elijah in the background with a wire hair giving him the once over twice and a, a little bit of a kiss there I'm going to call it that at least. Great shot. Lance, congratulations, Lance Larson. Fun trial. Here two beautiful gray ghosts waiting for their time in the field. Ready to roll, it looks like, again. Bert Spence reminds me I was in the Central Oregon NAVDA training day that he took that photo of his French Brittany talk about camaraderie can you find anything better than the link between a man and his bird dog that is just all about that i didn't know the frenchies did this the german ones all do they rub up against you they just gotta be touching you leaning on you putting a little pressure on you that says oh, please scratch me right here and then i do want to thank my friend and soon hunting partner i hope rashawn gordon I think I've congratulated you on your retirement and hope it's all going well. I think you're staying out of trouble in a lot of good ways. Keep it up. You and two buddies uh, on the tailgate. Um, kind of hard to see. You're all in camo, but I think that means it was a dove hunt and it's all about the fellowship after the hunt for you. Good on you all. Keep up the good work, everybody. Keep sharing that stuff on Monday mornings. I just love, love seeing this stuff from you okay so we're just about ready to start on all the rest of those hacks but before we do let me remind you that sage and breaker gun care products crafted at the highest caliber they got a new product out it's called the modifiable bore cleaning kit so you know about their bore snake the big long ropey thing well now they have one with a skinny cable -y thing 
You can add just the buffing rope portion, or you can add the brass brush as well, one or the other, or both. Simple, easy, and taking good care of your guns. That's what Sage and Breaker is all about. If you're looking for more information, go to sageandbreaker.com. I'm going to just thank everybody over the years, pro guides, outfitters, hunting buddies, strangers in a tavern who've contributed advice of one sort or another to me and my friends over the years on how to hunt, where to hunt, best way to do things, and often those simple, basic things that may help you more than any other strategic advice you get. Because life is complicated, bird hunting life is even more complicated. Add a dog and, well, complication times 10. You know that, though. So we're going to just talk a little bit about some of the basic stuff that could simplify our lives, whether it's um, hunting, training, practical stuff, whatever it is, before you set out on your next training session or let alone your next hunting trip, maybe one of these or all of these will help. And by the way, if you'd like more details on this, I've got it all down in writing at findbirdhuntingspots.com. Just go to the uh, Your Hunting Dog tab and search there. It should be right at the top. The first thing, and still one of the most important, especially out here in the West, early in the season, well, heck, this season, all season, never did have a winter to speak of. And while that's good, it's also bad. Anyway, your dog is hot. You need to carry water. What's the simplest and easiest way to carry water for your dog? Well, make it the same water that you drink. Back in the day, it was a Boda bag. You know, the wineskins, they were great, and I loved them because in a matter of a couple days, especially in hot weather, you could teach a dog to take a squirt out of that as well. You could share that because he doesn't touch it unless you let him. You can be careful about that in the training. Squirt that water into his mouth, very little waste, and then squirt it into your own mouth. These days, it might be um, one of those squeeze bottles with a little pull tab pull top on it or a, a camelback or other you know backpack sort of with a hose and a squeeze uh, valve on it whatever it is you don't have to carry a bowl you can both share one water source oh and if it's a boater bag make sure you empty the wine out of it first <laughs> dog boots expensive they wear out fast or Quite often they get lost before they wear out. And um, so let me just remind you one more time, my favorite dog boot. And there are all sorts of great solutions out there. In Texas, a lot of the guys will use uh, motorcycle inner tubes. For my money, not very much of it either. Duct tape. Now, the one thing you got to be careful about when you use duct tape is don't wrap it too tight. The other is quite often, uh, if you're using it as a preventative, you don't have to worry about this, but if you're trying to wrap a dog's foot and he's already torn a pad, 
you want to wrap the pad in gauze first so that there's no direct contact between the adhesive and the wound. Other than that, it's pretty simple. Tear off about a foot, foot and a half of duct tape. Set your dog's foot right in the middle of that, face up, of course, the tape, not the dog. And then slowly, carefully, loosely wrap it up in kind of a spiral pattern, Roman sandal style, I call it, up to above the basically the wrist of the dog again looser please if it falls off who gives a rip pardon the pun it's a few cents worth of duct tape for a few miles worth of protection on most dogs don't worry about it in fact it's funny we find one almost every year that place i described earlier where i hunt with my buddy he was using some on his Labradors early in the season. And then late in the season, what did we find? We found one that had fallen off. Way better than too tight and cutting off circulation. If you're missing birds when you shoot, well, take a leaf from my book. Learn this every year in one way or another. Probably lifting your head off the gun stock because your hat brim is too low. When you bring it down low so that you are blocking the sun from your eyes, it's obstructing your view down the muzzle and into the field of fire most of the time, especially on a rising bird. So you'll just lift up off the gun stock so you can see downrange and thus throw off the geometry between your head, your eyes, the muzzle, and the target. Turn it around, pick it up as the dog goes on point or if your flusher is getting birdie, and you'll probably hit more birds. Do your friend's dog a favor. If he looks confused, well, mine always looks confused, but if, if your friend's dog looks confused when he's bringing back a dead bird on a retrieve, it's because he doesn't know who to bring it to. Yeah, from a distance, you all look alike. We all do. Do him a service and turn your back so the only face he can lock in on is the face that he responds to best, his master's. If you can slowly and carefully move back so that that face is also the first person he encounters, all the better. Works for us. In fact, <laughs> here's the corollary or the uh, the back that you know the reason for this uh, if you watch the tv show wing shooting usa you've probably seen this more than once god bless you lynn berland my number two cameraman number two in that he gets all the dirty work he's down there with the dogs all the time so on a retrieve lynn is down at least on his knees and maybe lower pointing that big shiny lens at the dog as it comes toward us and toward the master who will take that bird out of his mouth well unfortunately sometimes lynn is ahead of everybody else or that shiny camera lens is a bigger attraction than the master's face and so guess what happens that dog brings that dead bird right up to the camera lens and tries to stuff it in lynn's done more than one cartwheel over that over the years and most of the time we leave that in because it is kind of fun and no harm no foul keep up the good work lynn thank you so much miss you guys see you soon 
Okay, just a reminder, I'm Scott Linden, the host of the Upland Nation podcast. That's what you're listening to right now. Solo affair today. Got such a great response to the blog post, I thought maybe I'd share it with a bunch of listeners as well. And please do take a look at findbirdhuntingspots.com for all sorts of useful information in this world as well. Um, I've been lucky enough to um, have five German wire-haired pointers and, and learn from all of them. One of the things I learned early on with the dog that I really didn't know how to train very well is how to find him when he ran far away from me. If you have that same situation, whether it's you know an out-of-control dog or just a big running dog in Sharptail country or something like that, and you haven't made the investment that I think you should all make in a GPS collar. Here's some ways to find him. In the right country, a dust cloud will reveal his location. In your worst nightmare, a whole bunch of flushing birds will probably tell you the truth on your dog's location. If there's another dog nearby, that dog's superior hearing will often detect your dog's location. And if you're hunting a horseback, same holds true. I've also heard that works with llamas and mules, but I haven't seen it in action yet. But a horse will point his face in the same direction as the sounds he's hearing. And if that doesn't work, or your training is not going the way it should, it could be your fault. In this day and age, with masks on our faces, it's bad enough. But if you're also obscuring your eyes with sunglasses, that could be a problem. I learned that the hard way. I brought that up to any number of folks who have tried it literally on the spot and realized that it does help. The eyes, yeah, sure, they're the window to your soul. But dogs look to eyes for a lot of emotion, a lot of assurance, a lot of, well, whatever you want to call um, correction, as much as they do to anything else. If you're hiding your eyes, then number one, you don't look like a human. You don't look like the human you were before you put the glasses on. And especially if you're asking that dog to come towards you for some reason, that dog is a little bit confused most of the time. That's why we do it. Seems to work for us. If you got a dog that may not be paying as close attention as he should when you give a command, try that for a while. Let me know how it works for you. All right, I already mentioned that uh, Flicky is on the injured re reserve list. And um, so one of the things I, I was reminded of again in putting this blog post and podcast together was you know, when you do put medicine on a wound and especially an easily accessible part like a toe the first thing a dog wants to do is lick it off you know and, and if you if you look at the ingredients let's say on a triple antibiotic ointment the first ingredient is some type of oil well who wouldn't lick it off and uh, you can put anything in there to make it taste bad but they don't care i mean have you seen what your dog eats yeah you have yeah so anyway you got that problem okay the good news is my veterinarian tells me that if you can keep that triple antibiotic on the wound for 10 minutes 
it's going to have done its job. All right, if you can bandage it up, great, all the better. If you can't, or even if you can, and he's chewing away at the bandage, put a little something else in a more accessible place and let him lick that for a while. That's what Jif peanut butter is all about. It works for Flick, and it distracts him just enough to where we can get that magic 10 minutes of antibiotic going, or he'll leave the bandaging alone at least long enough to keep the wound clean for a while. So um, take that to heart the next time you're doctoring your own dog, or you just want him to leave something else alone for a while on his body. Training. Well, some of you know I was a music major. And uh, when we had to memorize music, especially, but even when we just had to master really hard music, we'd do it backwards. No, not like twirl, not like playing the record in the reverse order, but start with the hard part and then the, add the other parts in reverse order. Start at the back, the last part, and master it in chunks. Do the same thing with your dog. For example, a retrieve. If the last thing you want him to do is make those last final 10 steps with the bird in his mouth or the bumper in his mouth, start with that and bring it to you. Get him to hold it until, you, you know, however you define a retrieve and then give it to you. Then take him back 10 yards, do the same thing. Then turn him around. Put him on the bird and have him make that turn and come back to you. Then start him from five feet away, etc., etc. You get the idea. Whatever you're training, start with the hard part at the end, and then everything is a downhill ride after that. And getting back to all those commands and why he's not obeying them, and sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. If you use hand signals, arm signals, Consider that dogs see moving objects way better than they see stationary objects. I made this discovery by mistake long ago, and I've used it ever since. You know the story. Dog is sleeping in the yard. Nice warm day. He's relaxed, laying on the grass. You just mowed it. It smells good. You want to go out there and lay down too. Drowsy, tired. And on the other side of the yard, there's a squirrel working on his first acorn of the morning. Well, as long as the squirrel is holding still and chewing away, everything's hunky-dory. Then he moves, wants to take that acorn away for a while. That's when the dog sees the movement and starts the chase. Woo! Rodeo part one. Dogs see moving objects better than they see stationary objects. So if you're using hand signals, bear that in mind. A lot of the retriever guys will blow the whistle, put their hands straight in the air, and that means stop. A lot of pointer guys use that as the come command or the hear command. Whatever your commands are for changing direction or anything else, if you're using a hand signal, Add a little bit of a shake to it. I don't mean a Bob Fosse jazz head shake because people will talk. But I do mean a little bit of motion. Maybe a lot of motion. When I'm calling Flickback, 
my motion is straight up and then wagging it back and forth, wagging it back and forth. Even out of whistle range, he can see that. It works. Consider that. Just don't start wearing leotards. Okay, we got a lot more to come. Here's the last one before our little break, and then we got uh, a few more hunters hacks from all the guys who know way more about this stuff than me. As you know, I wear shooting glasses all the time because I have to put a patch on the left one so I can shoot right-handed. I won't bore you with that story again, but the idea being I got glasses on all the time, and most people should most of the time for any number of reasons, safety first. The problem is when the temperature's wrong and the humidity is wrong, our own exhalations when we're climbing up that chucker hill or chasing after a dog that shouldn't be out when he got out, we're going to fog up our glasses. Simple solution works a lot, a lot of the times. Take that cap, turn the bill the other way so that it's behind you. It won't catch that exhaled warm air and fog up your shooting glasses. Yeah, seems to work for me. Maybe it'll work for you. The handle it segment and how and why timing is everything coming up in just a few minutes. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you by Dr. Tim's Performance Dog Food, D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. 30% off your first order. Just use the code Upland Nation. Working with Dr. Tim Hunt on a bunch of educational videos. Um, looking forward to sharing information that I've learned over the years on how to maximize your dog's performance in the field. That'll be coming up, but in the meanwhile, here's one of the things I learned. Uh, 87% of all the protein in Dr. Tim's foods is animal-based. By animal, I mean poultry, beef, lamb, and fish. And the reason Tim adds fish to the protein mix is because the fat in those fish is four more times concentrated than the fat in a plant. That's important on a day-to-day -day basis for your dog's performance in the field. Fat is what fuels a dog's performance in the field. Unlike us, we can nibble on a candy bar or other simple carbohydrates, but for a dog, it's fat. Tim gets his salmon oil from the U.S., Chile, and Norway. He gets his Manhattan meal from the Gulf of Mexico off Louisiana. It's all sourced transparently and it is one of the main sources of fat because of the amino acids the omega-3 acids in there you can't get them from the plant sources like you can get them from the marine sources learn more at drtims.com everything is laid out for you in simple english including an easy way to transition from your old food to dr tim's food D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. You've heard the phrase, timing is everything. Well, even in 
dog training, that's true. Dogs are ready to take command sometimes, and they're just the opposite many other times. They're distracted by all sorts of things. Bird scent, that whitetail running away in the distance, other dogs, other people in your hunting party. Even just an unusual sound can distract a dog and flummox a command. So give some thought to this while you're training and then obviously when you're in the field with him as well. Wait for the opportunities. Then deliver your direction once there's an open niche in your dog's thought process. Perfect example. He's taking a leak. And you're watching, aren't you? Yeah. Right before he drops his hiked leg, give him a command. If he slows down or stops and gives a good shake for some reason, another good time. Obviously, when he's looking at you, another good time. Sometimes it's just a he cocks your head in your direction or he lifts his head up from whatever he's digging at. Good times. If none of those are working or you're tired of waiting for one of those, just call his name. Hopefully, that'll get him to look at you. And then give your command. Hope it works for you like it's worked for me. Good luck on that one. This Land is Your Land is coming up. We'll talk about public access and who has the keys to the kingdom. But first, let's get back to some of these great tips offered to me in in generous spirit. And I, I can't thank you enough. If you're the one who gave me this one, thank you. If you're not, Take it to heart, share it with others as a result. In fact, do me a favor and share that whole blog post at findbirdhuntingspots.com. I think I called it Hunter's Hacks Part 1. If your dog actually hits a point and is holding it and you want to be a better shot so that somebody else is buying the beer at the end of the day, simple. Consider all the other aspects and then approach that point so that you're facing away from the sun. Because the last thing you need is another shooting excuse, right? So look at the angles, do the geometry, figure out where that bird might fly, figure out where everybody else is standing, figure out how to get away from the dog's ears, and then angle yourself just a little bit away from the sun. My best excuse is now out the window. But that's all right. In the spirit of fellowship, I've just shared my secret. All right. If you are packing for your next hunting trip, here's just a few of the things that I bring that you might not think about bringing. You'll find multiple uses for most of them. First, one of those shoe dryers uh, by Pete or anybody else, you know, whether it's electric or propane powered, nothing like having warm, dry boots every morning. Second on the list, who does not own and carry a multi-tool? Yeah, and boy, oh boy, did, I told Tim Leatherman many years ago, thank you, finally, finally I can put the Swiss Army knife in the closet because you added a scissors 
to some of your multi-tools. I always have a lawn chair in the back of my truck. It just sits there most of the time gathering dust, and boy, does it gather a lot of that. But a lawn chair for that third guest who won't fit on the tailgate will come in handy any number of opre hunt cocktail hours. Those zipper lock plastic bags for berries you find along the way or mushrooms or, you know, birds that you've cleaned. Don't forget a handful of those. A tie-out stake for your dog. A headlamp for all sorts of reasons. Keeps both your hands free. And then the most comfortable way to commute back to camp at the end of a hunt is to take your boots off and put on some nice, soft moccasins. You'll thank me later if you're not thanking me now while you're scratching all those down in your notebook. I hope. You want to shoot better? Shoot like a sporting clays pro? Well, no, I don't, but I've taken a lot of lessons. One of the things I've learned from all of that is even when we're hunting, we can shoot like a sporting clays pro if we just anticipate the direction the bird will likely fly once it's flushed. All right, talked a few minutes ago about facing away from the sun. Figure out, based on your own knowledge in all sorts of experiences, which way that bird's going to go. Set your feet that way as you get ready to flush the bird and shoot. I know it sounds simple, but in the heat of the battle, oftentimes we neglect the most important aspect of shooting. Face in the right direction. All right, let's say it works. You've connected with the bird and he's down. He comes back and he's still not dead. There are lots of ways to do it. Some more humane than others. One that works well for me is called cervical dislocation in the business. Grasp both the bird's legs in your non-dominant hand. Wrap your dominant index finger and thumb around the bird's neck just below the head. So the back of the bird's head is in the crook of the finger and thumb. Then stretch your dominant arm straight out from your left arm, oh, or your other arm, whichever it is, straight out till you put tension on the bird's body. And when you reach the limit of stretching, bend the head back and increase tension. God bless you, bird. Thank you for your sacrifice. We will feast you and salute you tonight at supper. It's the most humane way I've found of doing it. You want your dog to work a specific piece of cover? This works pretty well, especially if you want him to be strategic and you want yourself to be silent, stealthy. Call him back, maneuver him in so his nose is pointed toward the goal. That's what the retriever trialers do when they're sending a dog on a blind, and it seems to work for pointers too. But dogs will literally follow their nose. So if you want a dog to go a specific way, well, there you have it. Have him face that way and align his whole body that way because sometimes he'll take a big circle if his body is in a big circle. All right, still a lot of us love that Tritronics Upland G3 special training collar. 
It's frustrating though, because the remote on off feature starts with pressing buttons on the receiver, then the beeper until the beeper sounds on and begins beeping. Then you turn it off again by hitting the green button on the transmitter. The problem is if it doesn't turn off, it'll drive you nuts. So here's the solution. Hold the collar so the prongs on the receiver face the base of the beeper. Then hit the green button on the transmitter. That should turn it off. Yeah, they got to face each other. Obviously, take it off the dog. That'll save it a little bit. All right, and finally, if you hunt uh, semi-vertical ground, you're on a hillside or something like that, or working a ridge or whatever, remember, as the day goes on, as the day goes on, the ground heats up. Warm air will rise from the bottom of draws or valleys or river canyons. And so there will be an uphill or an up canyon or an upstream breeze as the temperature rises. Get above the bird hideouts. Put your dog above them as well and work laterally. That way all the scent that's coming up that hill will be coming right to him instead of the other way around. Well, I hope those all will help you with your training, your shooting, and of course your hunting next season. I learned all those the hard way, so you don't have to. Please share them. Just send your friends a link from the findbirdhuntingspots.com website. Coming up, this land is your land, who to schmooze and why. But first, the Upland Nation podcast is sponsored by Happy Jack Dog Care Products. Mentioned pad coat a while back. There's something for skin, coat, parasites, fleas and ticks, mange, you name it. Learn all about it and watch some of my new videos at happyjackinc.com. Happy Jack I nc.com This land is your land whether we've bought it as taxpayers or we are renting it from private landowners in one of those walk-in programs Unfortunately, sometimes it's a little harder to learn about those than it should be. They are part of a massive bureaucracy administered by people who don't, well, let's be diplomatic, who simply don't have the motivation we do. And so may or may not be forthcoming with information that is of value to you. Here's some advice, again, I've learned the hard way. Most states now have some sort of map, atlas, or booklet that describes the locations of these walk-in programs. Start there, especially online, because sometimes you can search in various ways, whether it's for species, obviously places close to you, or other criteria, depending on the state. Once you've glommed onto as much information as you can from those online and hard copy sources, start making some phone calls. 
There's usually a gatekeeper of one sort or another who administers the program, could be helpful, or could send you to somebody who is. For example, the local biologist who um, actually made the arrangements with that private landowner. Those folks are golden if you can get to them. Quite often, they're not that easy to find. Invest some of your telephone bill in reaching out to local offices whenever you can. So if you're going to point X on the map and that's the name of that walk-in area, find the nearest Department of Fish and Wildlife and call that number. Now let me share something with you. While the biologists are usually helpful, especially off-season, other people in the office may be as well. So be forthcoming when you make that call. Tell them what you're looking for in the way of advice. And you never know. It could be the person who answers the phone at the front desk. It could be a wildlife technician who happens to be a quail hunter too. So spread the word. Be diplomatic. And work yourself down through the hierarchy to people who are actually getting their boots muddy on the ground once in a while. You don't want to ask for the latitude and longitude, but you do want to get some advice, especially as to how you access some of those harder to reach places. Remember, it may not be the first person you talk to, it may be the fourth person you talk to. All of them might have something, some of them might have something worthwhile. And then just like former President Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. Well, I hope you learned something today. I sure appreciated your attention and uh, am grateful for your feedback. In fact, thank you, Rick Ray, for your recent review. Tell your friends, rate or review the Upland Nation podcast at Apple Podcasts, if you will. Thank you in advance. I'll leave you with this. The dog walks into the bar, hops up on the, on the stool, and he looks the bartender straight in the eye and says, Hey, guess what? I can talk. Have you ever seen a talking dog before? Amazing, right? Isn't that worth a drink? The bartender thinks about it and says, Sure. The toilet's right around the corner. Thanks again for listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. See you in the field.